Welcome to Wines We Drink, a podcast for wine lovers and learners. I'm Charlotte Norsworthy, and together with my counterpart, Keith Herndon, we'll be exploring a new wine each week. Keith is a lover of wine, and I am a learner of wine, and we hope you'll continue learning and sipping along with us. Hello, everyone. We are so glad that you found us at the Wines We Drink podcast. I'm your co-host, Charlotte Norsworthy, and I'm joined as always by my counterpart, Keith Herndon, a certified wine sommelier. We call this our summer fun project, well, because it's a lot of fun to open a bottle of wine and talk about it with our listeners. So welcome to the show. Charlotte, you got that right. We've been having a blast this summer, and I'm not talking about just the blast furnace heat we've been having, but rather it's the fun we've been having drinking some great wines. And once again, we're at a great, wonderful place for drinking and talking about wine. We're recording today's episode at the Terrific Tap Wine Bar. So another big shout out to our friends, the tap proprietors, Todd and Angela Hurt. Yes, we had opened the season here with our first three episodes and then returned for our last four. Keith, can you believe the two of those are in the books and... But we only have two more shows counting today before we wrap up our season. I mean, it's really hard to believe. The summer's just been zooming by. It seems like we just got started. I know, and it's still hot, nonetheless. <laughs> uh, well, since we've returned to Tapped a couple of weeks ago, we've enjoyed a tasty Pinot Noir from California's Napa Valley, a magnificent Malbec from Argentina. That was a fave of mine for sure. And if you've missed those episodes or any other episodes from seasons one or two, you can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on all all of the major podcast platforms, and there's a complete episode guide on our website at winesweedrink.com. So, Charlotte, we're continuing our wine globetrotting this week, right? After California and Argentina, we're back in Europe with today's selection. Well, there's certainly nothing wrong with a little virtual globetrotting, especially when that means I get to drink some delicious wine selfishly. (laughs) So, what do you have for me and our listeners today? Well, Charlotte, we're in France's famed Côte de Rhone region, and we're going to drink an excellent example of a red blend that is without a doubt the best value proposition of the season. Wow. I mean, you usually don't talk value proposition until we've at least tasted the wine first, so you must be especially excited about this one. Um, Which bottle from the Côte de Rhone are we opening today? Charlotte, I've selected a 2018 Parallel 45 from the Paul Jabouet Annie winery. The, the wine is a, uh, and this bottle is a blend of 60% Grenache and 40% Syrah. Is this blend, uh, would you say, reflective of all the red wines from Cote d'Aron? Well, I would say it's a typical blend, but it's not a universal blend. Red wines from the Cote d'Aron often include Mouvedre and Cinso, and, and sometimes even a couple of other lesser known grapes. You know, overall, there are 23 or so grape varietals that are authorized for use in red Cote de Rhone wine. Uh, we're only getting two of them today, but, but this blend is outstanding, and it certainly holds up the reputation that Cote de Rhone has for great wines at competitive prices. Wow. Well, this is super interesting, 23 varietals. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Cote de Rhone? How did it become so established as one of France's premier wine regions? Well, uh, Letty Teague, uh, the wine writer for the Wall Street Journal, had a column recently where she wrote how often wines from the Cote de Rhone are referred to as humble wines. Well, I'm here to say that I think it's time for these wines to start bragging a little (laughs) bit, you know, so much for that humbleness, right? There there are some really impressive wines here. As part of my formal wine training, I, I completed an incredibly interesting course 
on the Cote de Rhone that was offered by that region's uh, trade organization through the Napa Valley Wine Academy. And, and it was really enlightening to study that region in, in depth. My, my first big takeaway from that training was, was really about the region's vastness. Uh, it encompasses 164,000 acres, which are, about, which are about two hours south of Lyon. There are 171 villages in the Côte de Rhone. So it's an area in size and diversity that has a lot of different soil types and a lot of different microclimates. And so there's just a lot of diversity in the wines that are produced there. <clears throat> but I would say the prevailing attributes that we can say about the overall region is that the Côte de Rhone is a warm, dry climate. It's influenced by the mistral winds that blow through. And they, these winds effectively, you know, aerate the region, if you will. And, and that keeps the, the vines dry, and there's a minimal risk for fungus and pests. And, and I just think that contributes to the, the overall value proposition, because when the vineyards aren't having to, to fight those things, you know, it helps keeps their costs, you know, overall lower. Wow, yeah, all of that is super interesting context on an incredibly complex and diverse region. And so I'm super looking forward to tasting today's selection. Hearing about the Cote de Rhone is one thing, but the proof will be in our glasses. So let's get started drinking some of this wine. Sure, let me uh, pour you some glass, a glass of wine from the Cote de Rhone. Let me pour my glass. And then we'll get started smelling and sipping. You know, as our loyal listeners will know by now, I like to decant my red wines a little before we drink them. And uh, I want them to have a little time outside of the bottle to open up a bit. Um, I'll recommend again the decanting guide that you can find at Wine Folly. Uh, but a good rule of thumb for a Grenache Syrah blend like we're drinking today is between 30 minutes to an hour. You know, both of, both of these grapes that, that, um, that, we're, that, we're, that are in today's wine produce a, a fuller-bodied wine style. So they need a little time in the decanter to unwind a bit and open up and breathe. And I think that just lets the flavors come forward. Yeah, absolutely. It makes it easier for us to identify. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, as you were pouring from the decanter... You know, I was seeing this really deep red wine, and it feels very regal in its color. It's a color of royalty. I'm eager to taste it. Yeah, you know, you're right about the color. You know, the deep red wine, it just looks regal in the glass. You know, it is deep red, but there's also a brightness to this wine is very inviting. You know, the, the, this wine spent a little time, a few months, in oak barrels, but it also aged in stainless steel tanks, which I think gives it some vibrancy and helps it come alive. But before you taste this wine, you know, our approach is to begin with a big sniff. So Charlotte, put your nose deep in the glass and, and then tell me what aromas are you getting out of that first sniff? Wow. Yeah, with that first deep sniff, you can kind of immediately start to sense the best of both worlds in the aging, uh, for sure. Um, without a doubt, though, this wine gives you some of those deep cherry notes right off the bat. Um, but also on the smell, there's some spicy notes I'm sensing. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, you know, listeners, I mean, that's what exactly what you should, should expect from a, from a blend of Grenache and Syrah. You know, the Grenache is giving off those red berry notes, and in this case, cherry in my, my, my sense. And that Syrah is coming in with that spice as it should. 
yeah, that's super interesting that the two different types of grapes are offering those. Um, but the nose, as we say, is is excellent on this wine. Uh, but how is the taste? So I'm going to go in for my first one. Yeah, and I'm going to join you there with the first taste. I mean, we said it looked regal in the glass, but I'm here to tell you that that first sip was rich. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back in for some more sips to kind of parse this apart in my yeah, brain. Yeah, you know, please have another taste. I mean, th I think this is wine that's going to unravel for you as you as you take more uh, more sips. Hmm. I mean, if there's one thing I've learned this season, it's that the wines we've had that spent time in the stainless steel uh, tanks deliver such a bright quality to them. And that is certainly present here. Um, it's a fresh sensation on the tongue, that sort of minerality, but it's still grounded. You know, absolutely. I, I, you're so spot on there. I mean, you know, this is definitely a dry wine, but there's a good amount of acidity along with that minerality. It delivers that freshness you described. And, and like that Malbec we enjoyed last week, the Syrah in this blend complements that minerality with some really good spice notes and, and gives us a really good, a good approach to this, uh, to this Cote de Rhone. Absolutely. There's this sort of spiciness to the finish, um, but not in a way that's sort of in front of the fruit. It's almost like, you know, we've described before a little bit of jammy, but I'm also thinking like pie. Right. So go back in there for some more sips. Okay. Yeah, I mean, even on the third and the fourth sips, I'm still really enjoying that berryness of this wine. I can tell that's one of my favorite flavors. Um, <laughs> there's some blackberry to go along with that cherry for sure. You're getting that nice berry, spicy, pepper combo in the best tantalizing way. Yeah, I, th I think that's why I like this so much. It's a really nice berry, spicy combo. So, so let's stay on that tasting a bit longer before we talk about price and value. I want you to take another sip and think about the texture. By that, I mean the mouthfeel of the wine. Tell me how you would describe the texture, the mouthfeel of this wine. Mm. Yeah, thanks for asking me to think about that specifically because when you think about the texture of this wine, there's one word that comes to mind and it's silky. What, what do you think about that? Uh, you know, it's it's what I've known all along. You have a future in writing <laughs> wine copy, right? Oh. Wine descriptions is your in your future, right? Several of the online reviews that I've read about this wine have used the word silky. Others use the word smooth when they describe the mouthfeel. Silky smooth. I think that's what's so elegant about this wine. You know, we talked about the elegance, the richness, the royalty of mm -hmm. this wine. You know, even though this is a deep red wine, the winemaker has the tannins under control, so you can sip this wine and enjoy its fruit and spice and not worry about the tannins, you know, drying out your mouth. Again, it's just a really elegant wine in that regard. Absolutely. Right? It's elegant indeed. It's not trying too hard. Well, you know, while speaking about the winemaker here, we need to give another big shout out to another important woman who is breaking down barriers and making exceptional wine in France. Caroline Frey has been the proprietor and winemaker here for over a decade, and she has completely modernized the Paul Jabouet Anne winery and, and has turned it into a biodynamic powerhouse. The winery won a major award last year for turning its vineyards and estate into a biodiversity refuge. Um, it's, it's kind of a, a refuge of sorts, especially for bats and bees, huh. right? 
the, the judges in that competition said Frey's work should be a blueprint for others. What an amazing compliment to Frey. I mean, last week we highlighted Argentina's Susanna Balbo, and this week France's Caroline Frey. I'm loving it. I mean, so many great women out there making awesome wine, um, paving a great path for those to follow behind. These are the stories that add to the richness of the wines that we're enjoying. Yes, you know, learning about pioneering winemakers and the efforts that they make to to make their wines eco-friendly, uh, uh, pioneers in, 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 in terms of breaking down barriers, you know, these, these are all important parts of the, of the wines that we select for our podcast, Wines We Drink. You know, price is certainly one of the considerations, but sometimes it's broader than that. It's the societal impact. You know, wines are there to entertain us. They're there for us to enjoy, but there also can be really important social implications of some of the choices we make. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I think that our listeners um, are also uh, sort of being more thoughtful about their consumerism and the brands that they indulge in and and engage with. And so I think that this background is especially important for them. And our listeners also know by now that we emphasize that value proposition. So what can they expect to pay for the Cote de Rhone that we're drinking today? Well, this is simply a delicious wine at a great price. The Vivino app, which rates this as a top 10% wine in the world, lists the national average price at the time of our recording as $12.99 oh a bottle. Oh my gosh. That is simply an unbelievable bargain in the, rhyme wor- in the wine world, right? Decanter Magazine named this wine as a top 20 French red for under $20. I mean, there you have it, listeners. <laughs> the Wines We Drink podcast has found you another top wine value with a remarkable story behind it. I am just blown away. We just keep them coming. But for now, let's take a short break. Please stay with us. We're going to return for Keith's pairing period. I'm looking forward to hearing suggestions for how to pair today's wine with food. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to today's episode. We are now in our pairing period. This is the time in each episode where Keith shares ideas for how to pair today's wine with food. Charlotte, thank you, and and welcome back to the show, everyone. You know, I love the pairing period, so let's just get right into some suggestions for this week. Yeah, I mean, by all means, let's talk food and wine. You know, as we've established, France's Côte de Rhone is an outstanding region for growing grapes and producing excellent wine. The Paul Jebouet Anet wine that we drank today is sublabeled Parallel 45, which takes its name from the 45th North Parallel, which runs directly through the region and is just over a mile from the winery cellars. So this is truly a wine from the heart of the Cote de Rome, right? Mm-hmm. So when pairing our foods, we need to take our cues from the varietal blends. Food and Wine's Guide to Perfect Pairings describes Syrah as intense, but it describes Grenache as having, quote, an undeniably friendly disposition, end quote. So when you blend these two, the Grenache is going to tone down the intensity of the Syrah, and you open all sorts of wonderful food pairings, right? It becomes a very accommodating wine in that regard. Hmm. I mean, yeah, that's really interesting to consider the characteristics of the individual grapes 
and then how they sort of come together in a blend to influence what we pair with them. Yeah, yes, you have to take into account the spicy pepper undertones of the Syrah, but in this Cote de Rhone we're drinking, they don't dominate the palate, so it opens up a lot more possibilities. So what's first on the menu? Well, my meat of choice to pair with this wine would be lamb, either ribs or chops. And, and there are a couple of great recipes in the Food and Wine Guide to Perfect Pairings. One features a rub with cumin and coriander, and another features a rub with garlic and rosemary. I, you know, either way, these rubs are going to complement the spicy undertones of the wine, and you'll have a great pairing. Mm, those rubs on the lamb chops sound wonderful. Are there any other meats that you think would work well with this wine? Uh, yes, I think uh, short ribs grilled with a light char works nicely, as would a flank steak also on a grill. Um, and for a side dish, I'd go with some grilled vegetables like zucchini and squash. You know, I think you could even grill asparagus and that would work here. That's an awfully hard vegetable to pair with wine, but, but, the, but the flavor combinations and the spiciness and the, and the intensity of some of this wine would, would, would really work well with the asparagus on the grill as well. Mm. Yeah, that sounds delicious. Um, but when serving today's wine with cheese, what do you think is going to work best? Well, I always say when in France, stay in France, right? <laughs> so for this pairing, you know, during the break, I opened up a small round of Camembert cheese and I sliced a bit for you. So please take a bite of that soft cheese and 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 see what you think. Does it does it go with this wine? Don't mind if I do. I think it looks good at least. <laughs> yes, let's have a little bit of a bite of Camembert. You know, take that sip of that wine with mm -hmm. that camembert. Mm. You know, camembert is a classic French cheese. It's a soft cheese, but it's known for its buttery and savory flavors. You know, so I wanted that butteriness, that savoriness to come to come through. Absolutely, and it did. I mean, that buttery taste works very well with the fruit in the wine and savory works with the spiciness of the wine. I mean, I definitely agree that it's a delicious pairing. And, um, you know, personally, I think that Camembert and Brie are like cheese cousins. So would Brie also do in this case? Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that Brie may be slightly creamier than okay. the Camembert, but they're remarkably similar and it, it would be a good pairing with our Cote de Rhone. You know, this, this one may not be as easy to find, but if it's available, our listeners could also try a Cote de Rhone with a St. Marcellin cheese and a slice of French bread. Mm. You know, it's a rich cheese that holds up really well to this wine. Interesting. Right? Yeah, I, I, I will have to look out for that one. Um, well, thanks again for your pairing suggestions. I'm now super hungry. I'm going to have <laughs> more of this delicious wine and some more bites of our Camembert, which is what you've grown to expect uh, from me. <laughs> so right. while I'm doing that, can you give our audience a hint about what we're going to do to close out what has been a fantastic second season? Well, you know, it's, it's hard to believe that today was our penultimate episode. You know, I love that word. You introduced it last <laughs> week, and I've been waiting all episode to use it. You know, but, but that doesn't mean that our, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't mean that we have to be sad, right? right? Right. You know, our second season is concluding next week, but while that means the case of episodes will complete, be complete, we're going to end it with a bang, right? Good. We'll be recording again at the Tap Wine Bar. But all I'm going to say about the wine we're drinking next week is that we're staying in southern France, 
and it's going to be for one of my personal indulgences. Ooh, an indulgence. That sounds like a perfectly good way to end this season, if you ask me. Well, I'm looking forward to indulging with you all next week. Please join us, everyone. Yes, thanks, everybody. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Wines We Drink. Listen to our other episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Wines We Drink and on Instagram at The Wines We Drink. Cheers.